A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Get in the long tunes with a bunch of demons. We believe that human beings are demons. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a a balance between I believe you have to know Christ, but God is in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. Radio to just help people of faith, especially to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God's by faith in His Son, <laughs> Corinthians, right? Two Corinthians, three seven. Victory in the name which is above every. Name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. <laughs> Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. So put your trust in the sovereign raven king, who doesn't owe you one cotton picking thing. And yet he still promises to furnish his disciples, but we take what he's created and we turn him into idols. I'll never back down, so how can I keep it in? But you'll never see me preaching the sin of TBM. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 66. Execute episode 66. There's my nerd out for the moment. I am your host, the Evangelical Norm. Yes, episode 66, Emperor Palpatine has entered the building, and we are going to knock it out. So um, this is actually episode 66, part two. Uh, so, uh, was gone for the week, uh, last week, a good portion of the, the end of the week and the weekend up in Moscow, Idaho for Grace Agenda 2020. This video came out during that time. Um, and so I didn't get a chance to respond to it until Monday night because Sunday I was too tired to do it. So last Monday night I responded and didn't realize that my computer had updated during the time that I was gone. And it, every time this computer updates, my microphone resets to the default, which is somewhere within the, this little metal case and not the microphone that I have in front of my face. So I had uh, two podcasts that I released uh, yesterday with zero sound except for the intros. So we are now episode 66, part two. Uh, we're going to do this all over again and uh, respond to David. So 
and I, I just have to say I'm glad David is back. Um, for some reason, they skipped a week. I was actually kind of concerned that maybe he had COVID or something had happened. He may have been quarantining. Hadn't seen him on any other episodes of Saints Unscripted either. So I was a little concerned. Obviously, David is, is good to go. No worse for the wear. If he did, thank you, uh, God, for, for keeping our friend safe there. Um, but I did kind of want to say I really wouldn't have been upset if this whole segment of Faith and Beliefs went away and uh, I didn't have something to respond to from them. I mean, there's plenty of false teachers out there to be responded to, but honestly, I mean, I would not be upset if they would quit uh, teaching these false things to people and then I wouldn't have to respond. Not that I have to. Uh, I, I choose to respond, and that was the choice that I made when they started doing uh, this Faith and Belief segment of the Saints Unscripted podcast, starting with the Mormon uh, Articles of Faith, because I feel very strongly that they are a, a false religion. Um, I don't use the word cult very often with them because now... In this present day, they, I don't think they, they fall into all the definitions of a cult. Um, back in the day, in Joseph's day, yes, they did. He was very much a cult leader. It started out as a cult. Now I would call it a pseudo-Christian uh, heretical doctrine. And that's what, again, but that's my choice. I'm not mad at you if you call it a cult. I choose not to use that word. Um, but I would love to see the false teaching stop. And so, David, anytime you're ready to quit doing faith and beliefs, I'm ready to quit responding to it. Like I said, the master's dog will go on because there's plenty of false teachers out there that give me plenty of uh, material to respond and, and have opportunity to share God's truth and the gospel. So with that, this week, David is going to uh, try to explain to us uh, how... Brigham Young could teach something as horrible as the blood atonement doctrine and yet still qualify as a prophet of God. So with all that being said and that long six and a half minute intro, let's get to David and let's respond to this stuff. Hey guys, so as you probably already know, Brigham Young, the second president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, said and believed some controversial stuff. So, of course, we're going to talk about it. That would be the understatement of the existence of the LDS Church. That Brigham Young taught and believed some controversial stuff. Brigham Young was outside of his mind a lot of times in some of the things that he presented as doctrine. Um, and now the church has to jump through all kinds of hoops to try to uh, play damage control on the ridiculous stuff that Brigham Young taught. Blood atonement being right up near the top of those things. All right, so before we get into this topic, I can't make this point strongly enough. How you react to things past prophets have said or done will largely depend on what your expectations of a prophet are. No. How you react to things past prophets have said or done should 
largely depend on what the word of God gives as expectations for the prophets. And God's word does not give an expectation for prophets to presume to speak in his name and be wrong. Deuteronomy 18 is very, very clear. Deuteronomy 18.22 When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken, spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. But going backwards in that, going back to verse 20, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? And then it goes into verse 22. If the prophet speaks and that doesn't happen. If he doesn't speak in the, it, for God, if he presumes to speak in God's name and then goes off and speaks on his own accord and so on, which David's going to mention here in a minute, or false doctrines that don't fall in line with what God has given, that prophet should be put to death, according to the Old Testament. Now, granted, we are in the New Testament. We are under grace. Christ endured the penalty on the cross for any false prophet who will repent and put his faith in God. Any false prophet who does not repent and put his trust in Christ will be condemned to hell. So, luckily for modern day prophets, they don't have to be stoned or put to death because there is the possibility for repentance. But the word and the principle is still the same. It's not based on what your expectations of a prophet are. It's what God's expectations of the prophet are. Latter-day Saints believe prophets are messengers of God, but they are not God's sock puppets. They are products of their culture. They can have their own beliefs, opinions, personality, and teaching style. They can express their own ideas about God and be wrong. <coughs> they can even have personal biases and prejudices that may seem appalling to us today. Okay. So now to throw Paul under the same bus that you're trying to throw Brigham Young is not right. This is not just a cultural thing. This is just not something that is appalling. Let the woman uh, sit, uh, I can, woman be silent in church. And let, but I suffer not a woman to have authority over a man. This is one of Paul's teachings that is God-mandated that women do not get to be pastors. Women are not elders in the church. Women are not preachers in the church. Women can teach. Women are equal to men. They are not inferior. But God has given men and women different roles in the equality of Christianity that they, that they appreciate and enjoy. So this was one thing that just kind of bothered me, that he's trying to throw Paul under the same bus and say that Paul did, said things that were wrong. No. Paul did not give false prophecy the way that Brigham Young and Joseph Smith do, or any other of the prophets of the LDS Church. Paul is completely different than anything. Paul did not come with these weird, strange teachings that the LDS prophets have come with. So to put him in the same boat is ridiculous, and it's kind of irritating. But we do not consider everything said from the pulpit to be the doctrine of our faith. 
For example, in Utah, during the excitement incident to the coming of Johnston's army, Brother Brigham preached to the people in a morning meeting a sermon vibrant with defiance to the approaching army and declaring an intention to oppose and drive them back. In the afternoon meeting, he arose and said that Brigham Young had been talking in the morning, but the Lord was going to talk now. He then delivered an address, the tempo of which was the opposite from the morning talk. If you have the expectation that everything ever spoken by general authorities of our church is the will of God, you're going to be sorely disappointed. B.H. Roberts went so far as to say that even Mormon leaders have given utterance to ideas that are indefensible. Brigham Young, by his own admission, had an unruly tongue, and he sometimes purposefully made his sermons abrasive so people would pay attention. And that style of preaching wasn't unusual in that era. 19th century Americans were accustomed to violent language, both religious and otherwise. Throughout the century, revivalists had used violent imagery to encourage the unconverted to repent and to urge backsliders to reform. So while people outside the church from then until now have had a heyday with some of Brigham's statements, Okay, again, I have to point this out, and I point this out a lot. These little clips that they throw in there are intended to take something that is very serious and lighten it. So the fact that Brigham Young said controversial things, Brigham Young didn't just say controversial things. Brigham Young said heretical things, things that went against what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. You know, again, the, to compare what preachers were preaching back in the day and yeah there was a lot of fire and brimstone and and hellfire and so on and if you don't repent you're going to hell kind of thing but that is completely different than a man saying if you commit these certain sins you have to have your own blood shed because jesus can't forgive you jesus blood can't atone for that sin there's a huge difference between repent or go to hell or have your own bloodshed so you can go to heaven. You, do, you, do you see the difference in that, David? Can you, can you tell the difference between the stuff that Brigham preached and what other preachers, violent imagery or, or whatever you want to call it is? There's a huge difference. And just to say controversial things, heretical things, anti-Christ things. The saints understood that there was little bite to his celebrated bark. The Mormon membership came to tolerate, expect, and even enjoy the show. So while some of Brigham's views were definitely just wrong, it's important to understand his teaching style and relationship with the saints. They gave him a lot of slack. Brigham Young identified greatly with the Old Testament and even came to be known as the American Moses. He led the saints on an exodus to their promised land in the West where he established a theocracy similar to Moses and the Israelites. Here we will build the temple of our God. Some of his teachings also had an Old Testament flavor. For example, the Law of Moses ascribes a death sentence to a wide variety of sins or crimes. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Brigham Young also expressed some intense opinions in that regard. He and a few other leaders shared their belief that some sins were so bad that Christ's atonement would not cover them. And in a true theocracy like that of Moses and the Israelites, the only way to atone for them would be for you to willingly have your blood shed. Those who will not live by the law shall die by the law. Okay. Now here again, we have to take a look at this. Sure, the, the Old Testament had the law and the penalties that were under the law. 
Brigham Young, Joseph Smith, and all these other people claim to be gospel or uh, ministers under the New Testament of Jesus Christ. They claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, which means that if you go back to the law, Jesus paid the penalty for sin. So we are no longer ascribing death penalties to those things. We are no longer putting them back under that law. Now, granted, the government can impose death penalty and so on and so forth, but and which we see in Utah and, and other places. But for Brigham Young to say your blood has to be shed is actually anti-Christian because Jesus said, I paid the penalty for that. I endured the, the wrath of the Father so that those who will repent and put their faith in me will be forgiven. Anything that Brigham Young preached, and even if it were along the lines of the Old Testament, is anti-Christian. If he proclaimed that Jesus' blood was not enough to atone for these things, he is anti-Christ, which makes him a false prophet. You can't go back and claim to, well, I want to go back under the law of Moses. No, because you're denying the things that Jesus taught and said. Run. This was called blood atonement. The obvious problem with this idea, first and foremost, is that it limited Christ's atonement. Now, the scriptures do talk about the unforgivable sin or sins that are unto death, but the Lord will forgive whom he will forgive. None of the things that Brigham Young stated fall into that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, unforgivable sin category. That's not our call to make. Out of Brigham Young's 390 speeches in the Journal of Discourses, I've been able to track down five that clearly talk about blood atonement in reference to murder, breaking temple covenants, adultery, and interracial marriage. How many anti-gospel messages do you have to preach to be an anti-gospel preacher? How many murders do you have to commit to be a murderer? How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? I don't care if it was one sermon that, that preached blood atonement. Any one sermon out of any that Brigham Young taught made him an antichrist, violated the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ that said, he, if you repent and put your faith in him, that he was faithful to forgive you of your sin. Brigham Young chose to impose his own will over that of what Christ said. And it's false. And it only takes one to make that prophet a false prophet. Again, as B.H. Roberts mentioned, some of these statements are simply indefensible, so I'll make no effort to do so. But in reality, you kind of are. The, in fact, the, the fact that you're making this video at all is somehow trying to defend Brigham's young, Brigham Young's uh, prophetic office against the false prophecies that he made. If you can't defend, then you've got to admit that the man was a false prophet. You firmly place him underneath that bus, and that destroys your entire succession of prophets in the LDS church. How about new? Now, was anyone ever actually blood atoned by order of Brigham or the church? Well, it depends on who you ask. There are a handful of noticeably unverifiable campfire stories which you are free to believe, or you can remain skeptical. 
That said, as of right now, there is no actual evidence that anyone at any time was ever blood atoned by order of Brigham or the church. Of course, for years, antagonists of the church have tried to paint early Utah as a bloodbath where you'd be secretly killed for almost anything, ignoring the minor detail in this teaching, if it had been operable, that the perpetrator must have their blood shed willingly. So I'd say the only noticeable effect this teaching had was that it probably bolstered support in the early church for legal capital punishment, and it's been a source of confusion for some people, even leaders over the years. But if your leaders are prophets, how can there be confusion? Don't they have a direct line to God? Can't God explain to them why he allowed Brigham Young to teach these things that were false? Can he not explain to your current prophet why the, the, he allowed Brigham Young to bring this kind of confusion into what is supposed to be the only true church. It, it, again, you are uh, on a constant uh, trek of throwing your prophets under the bus. From, from Joseph all the way up to Nelson. But that's about it. It's my opinion that the lack of evidence attests to the fact that the saints understood that Brigham was not telling them to go out and start killing people. I shouldn't. Do it. B.H. Roberts had a similar opinion. Fortunately, the suggestions seemingly made in the overzealous words of some of these leading elders were never acted upon. The church never incorporated them into her polity. Indeed, it would have been a violation of divine instruction given in the new dispensation had the church attempted to establish such procedure. The church has denounced this teaching. We believe that the atonement of Jesus Christ is efficacious for anyone and everyone who repents of their sins. It could be that there are some sins that cannot fully be repented of in this life, but God is the judge and we're gonna let him figure out how to handle those situations. Check out the links and notes in the description for more info on this topic and have a great day. So again, it doesn't matter if anyone was actually blood atoned or not. That's not the point. The point is, is you have a man who claims to be a prophet who taught these things. And you keep trying to kind of poo-poo these things of, well, you know, nobody really thought that Brigham was, was ordering them to go out and, and do this. What Brigham was saying, he considered scripture. Again, going back to what he said at the beginning, based on what your expectations of the prophet are, first off, we, we look at a prophet based on what God's expectations of the prophet are, but then we also have to look at what did that prophet intend when he said those things, that prophet. Brigham Young stated that, the uh, where is it? I have never yet preached a sermon and sent it out to the children of men that they may not call scripture. Let me have the privilege of correcting a sermon, and it is as good as scripture as they deserve. And again, Brigham Young went on to, to say that um, I say now when they are copied and approved by me, they are as good scripture as is couched in this Bible. And if you want to read Revelation, read the sayings of him who knows the mind of God. So Brigham Young literally said, if I have the opportunity to look at my sermon as it has been recorded and approve of it, then it is scripture. Are you really trying to tell me that none of these five sermons that you found that were, are recorded in your journal of discourses, which the LDS church considers to be part of the standard works, were not uh, examined and approved by Brigham? He intended the, the, the doctrine of blood atonement to be considered scripture by the people of the church. 
We have stories of Porter Rockwell doing his bidding to, to murder people and so on. Again, whether they're verifiable or not, that's not really important. The, the thing is, is you have a man who claims to be a prophet of God, who preached a doctrine of blood atonement that goes completely against what the gospel says. What you have admitted here, that you believe the gospel is, your church believes the gospel is, this man was a false prophet. He should be completely disavowed. But you can't, because the, the, the validity of your church stands upon the prophetic office of these men and the succession from Joseph to Nelson today. And if one of those links is bad, your whole faith system falls and it should. My Mormon friend, if you are watching this, look at the words that Brigham Young taught and realize that this man is a false prophet, was a false prophet. In Old Testament, the time that he apparently would have preferred, he would have been killed. And by all intents and purposes, in our current New Testament era, we don't see any evidence that he repented and put his faith in the true Jesus Christ. So by those uh, guidelines, those rules, he is in hell. Look at those scenes and my Mormon friend, please get out. Recognize the fact that the, the things that you have been taught from beginning to end are tainted by false prophets, false teachings, a false gospel, a false God, a false Christ. And none of this can offer you the salvation that true biblical Christianity can. My Christian friend, how do we present that to our Mormons, our Mormon friends? We preach the gospel at all times and we use words because they're necessary. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.